and especially now in times of corona and that need for more games we probably see an increase of that risk that ghost games are happening and i think that should be an alarming signal to improve that over time and to come up with more technology and reduce the risk of human beings interfering you're listening to sports tech feed the global sports technology podcast Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Loams, and this week we're joined by Dr. Layla Mintis to dive into the impact of technology in the multi-billion dollar sports betting market. Layla is an expert consultant in the sports betting, digital sports and fan engagement industry. Last year she was named a SBJ Power Player in sports betting and one of Business Insider's leaders of the sports betting industry. Prior to establishing her independent consultancy, she oversaw all U.S. operations for official sports data provider Sport Radar. Being a lawyer by trade, Layla previously worked several years at the international law firm Whiting Case LLP in Berlin, specializing in sports law, compliance, and litigation. She wrote her PhD in betting via the internet, which became a well-recognized book in its field. Layla has also served on the Federation side as the Head of Legal and Head of International Development for FIFA's Early Warning System, as well as Director of Sports Integrity at CONCAF, the governing body for soccer in North America, Central America and the Caribbean, being responsible for all 41 member countries. Since 2009, she has published a significant number of law articles and has lectured at the Humboldt University of Berlin and Columbia University in New York, where she is a professor for global sports law. That is quite the resume, as I'm sure you'll agree, and we're delighted to have Layla sharing her expertise with us on the show. If you're unfamiliar with sports betting, especially the recent legislative changes in the US, then I highly recommend listening to our Sports Tech Feed episode from January this year on sports betting. It's a great intro or a refresher if you're a little bit familiar with it, but need to get up to date with what's happening. So if you don't know what PASPA stands for and why the repeal is so exciting uh, for so many people in the industry, then I would highly recommend you give that a listen before listening to this episode. You can find that episode and many more on sportstechfeed.com. This podcast is brought to you by Sports Tech World Series, the global sports technology community, your trusted resource for everything sports tech. So in addition to going to sportstechfeed.com, you can also go to sportstechworldseries.com forward slash newsletter to stay in the know with trending news, industry deep dives, and of course, the latest Sports Tech Feed episodes. And on that note, coming up on next week's show, we're joined by Tim Tobito, Director Event Presentation Content, the NFL. He's sharing some of his experience with mixed reality and the future of live fan experience, including what it was like working from the NFL commissioner's basement on the virtual draft night. After that, we're joined by Mike Downey, Principal Architect, Sports Technology at Microsoft, discussing their big deal they've just announced with the NBA. That's over the next few weeks, but for now, we have Dr. Layla Mintis, Sports Betting Expert Consultant. Looking forward to the show. Dr. Layla Mintis, great to have you on Sports Tech Feed. Thanks for having me. So, we'll fire straight off into it. As I mentioned in my introduction, you have global expertise in sports betting across Europe and the U.S., What's the major difference between the U.S. sports betting landscape and the rest of the world? Sure, yeah. So there are many differences, really. So historically, sports betting has been banned officially from society here in the U.S., with exception of Nevada, where sports betting was legal also before PASPA was repealed in May 2018. Up to this point, approximately 200 billion US dollars have been spent every year by US sports fans betting illegally in the offshore markets. And with the repeal of PASPA, more and more states have now decided to legalize sports betting. 
And as of today, we have um, 21 states plus DC that have legalized sports betting. So it's pretty good progress in that short time period. Every state is doing their own regulation. So we have a state by state regulation here in the US. And um, therefore, every state can basically decide if they want to allow online sports betting or retail sports betting or both and what taxes bookmakers have to pay, etc. So if you want to run a sports book in the US, in most states, you have to sign up with a casino or racetrack as your partner and basically use their license. They call it skin. And um, bookmakers have to pay a fee for that. So usually they agree on a revenue share deal with a casino and racetrack and they pay upfront fees for that. So if we compare that, for example, with the UK, it's a totally different setup. So in the UK, for example, sports betting has been legal since 1960. And it's part of the culture, really. You don't even have to have a physical location um, or presence when you want to become an operator in the, in the UK. So the system is much more liberal than what we have over here in the US. Yeah, and so similar model to Australia as well. There's there's a few um, changes with the states and, and in Australia, but nowhere near as um, different and uh, radically different as the the federalist model in the in the US, where each state is in effect its own country, as you would think of as in Europe, um, in kind of the EU, uh, in how they make their laws and how they regulate uh, sports game sports betting in each state. Right. Yeah. And then also apart from laws and regulations, the size of the market is totally different. Right. Here in the US, we have a population of almost 350 million people and we expect expect the US to become the largest legal sports betting market in the world Um, in a scenario where all states in the US would legalize sports betting, let's say retail and online, the market is expected to have a size or that it will have a size in terms of revenue of more than 17 billion US dollars. And if you compare that with Europe, um, the biggest market there, legalized market there is the UK with around 2.65 billion US dollars. And all other European markets are much smaller in revenue, let's say, Italy, France, Germany, they are all a little bit over a billion dollars in revenues. So if you compare it with the US, where we are speaking about 17 billion dollars in revenues, it's it's a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, talking about those large figures that uh, are coming through, what's the impact of sports being... Uh, shut down effectively for the past few months. Obviously, if there's nothing to, no live sports, there's nothing to bet on. Um, we are talking about sports betting. W- what's the effect been on the on the industry for that global sports shutdown? Yeah, as every other industry, also the sports betting industry and the entire sports industry 
um, got hit pretty hard by the virus. As most sports events got suspended, there's not much to bet on at the moment. So retail locations, casinos across the U.S. are closed completely. Public listed companies face declining stock prices, sometimes up to 70%. And some of the casino giants are expected to be running out of cash soon. So the situation is very surreal. Um, at the same time, online sports betting is still operating. But... Of course, sports betting operators need some content. They need entertaining products, which is difficult with traditional sports being suspended. So the entire industry is looking for alternative content, as I like to call it. So some books offer, for example, now Chinese professional baseball league, which they haven't done before, or international table tennis events. So those are things that bookmakers are now using because they're still, those games are still taking place in order to have something to offer to their customers. And because, yeah, so, um, mm-hmm. I, I saw the Belarusian soccer with, um, people betting on that and yeah. kind of fifth division, fifth tier, uh, football in kind of random different nations and, um, things like, uh, oh, what was it? Marble racing. Um, some of those, just, just whatever it is, just something that, that, that is a live event that people can, can place a wager on. Right. Yeah. However, what I'm seeing is that the trend is more going back to basic now. So instead of being creative and offering new bed types, now bookmakers really try to get some coverage, um, through those leaks and, um, the problem here is that because of the regulations, it's pretty pretty tight for operators on what they can offer. So not to blame the operators here, it's just because of the regulations. As an example, in West Virginia, an operator tried to offer sports uh, betting on a federal election coming up here in the U.S. So that offer got shut down after a few minutes because it's not legal yet in the U.S. and really nowhere in the U.S. to offer betting on federal elections. So um, it's a shame because in the offshore market, the offshore bookmakers, they are offering those kinds of bets. And yeah, I know, uh, I know from personal experience, I... I actually won some money on betting on the Australian federal election a few years ago um, off some senator resigning who is like embroiled in a scandal. And it was it was just the amount of bets with, that were there. And some of the bets you're seeing as well on betting on things like the Tiger King documentary yeah. um, about what's going to happen with, with that and things like that. And as you say, that's not in the US and it's not in yeah. the largest legalized market, but it is offered offshore. Yeah. But federal elections and bets on federal elections are allowed, for example, in Australia, as you mentioned. And um, as I mentioned, initially, 200 billion US dollar were bet offshore before PASPA was repealed. So the risk that I'm seeing is now by having those restrictions in place that um, people get used to play and keep playing in the offshore markets. And um, instead of that, it would be better to have regulations that allow U.S. sports books to offer those kind of bets 
and then basically compete with the offshore market and have making mm. sure that the customer stays in the legal and regulated markets instead of offshore whereas no customer yeah. protection no no tax money for the states etc yeah it's uh i would equate it to when I mean, we had um sam lee from cena sports on a few weeks ago and he was talking about in china for instance that educating basically the market on uh, rights fees in the sense of for live sports because there was the long tradition of people getting that content for free because it was pirated. So then when it came in and, and you're trying to sell a product that um, isn't free as and has certain restrictions on it, uh, if people are too used to it, then that's going to be an uphill battle. And I take your point on that, that US betting could be uh, very similar if people are getting used to going offshore, as you said, betting on um, kind of offshore markets and doing that illegally, but getting away with it, then when it comes around to do it properly and legally, um, it's going to be harder to transition those customers over. So, I mean, that, that leads on to an interesting point um, kind of around uh, the shutdown. And there's a few things in there in terms of sports integrity and 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 uh, the role in technology that plays in that. And I'll, I'll shift to that later. But, but first of all, just to run down this, um, the role of shutdown, is this, is this a big impact for the US sports betting market? Is it, is it really, or is it more of a blip um, kind of in its growth? Um, I go with the second one. I think it's like a minor speed hump, really. Yeah. Hump, uh, sorry, um, hump. But um, I mean, Bookies are trying to get alternative content. So what we are seeing is, for example, virtual games being on. So virtual games are really game simulation, uh, computer-generated matches based on algorithm where people can basically bet on fake games. Um, so teams that do not really exist, like Team A against Team B or Red against Blue, but um, there are also virtual games that are of higher quality, so they look probably almost like real games, and they also use the brands um, and really team names. So they are totally different um, quality-wise, totally different games on that. But generally, these virtual games, they go just over a few seconds, let's say 90 seconds, some go up to three minutes, and then basically people start um, continue to bet every, let's say every ninety seconds on such a game. So I see that more like, uh, yeah, really substitution to casino games where people kind of like put money in and then into a slot machine and keep uh, pushing the buttons. So it's not really, from my perspective, at least, not really uh, a replacement for for sports being on. And then mm. the other trend that we are seeing is esports, right? So uh, esports has been growing tremendously over the last years. Um, there was an estimate that in 2019, the esports betting has um, hit the one billion dollars in revenues, and it's hard to really. Yeah, estimate how much betting is taking place on esports because in a lot of regions around the world people are doing that and betting on esports but there's often no regulation in place here in the u.s and most of the states esports betting is allowed and that's that's a product that we see now with a lot of bookmakers um, being basically offered 
because of the shutdown mm. of traditional sports. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I find that I find that uh, interplay really interesting. For me, that's probably one of the biggest um, interesting industry trends or takeaways, whatever you will call it, from the shutdown is that shift to virtual sports, uh, esports, and then and gaming. And I shared some thoughts on this. I'll I'll put that in the in the show notes. But looking at Virtual sports, both those, as you say, the casino games, the kind of simulations that run every 90 seconds, a product like Trackside, um, be familiar to, to some people, which is a virtual horse race that runs every 90 seconds, or then a virtual sport, which is a computer simulation of an existing sport or competition, so replicating that. So the Grand National, for instance, that was run a, a, f- a few weeks ago, almost a, over a month ago now, um, and that was run with the, as you said, the same horses, the same colours, all that as if it was going to be run as an actual race before it was cancelled. And some of the other ones we've seen is um, Madden competitions. So two NFL teams matched up in the simulator and the game engine uh, results in that game. But for that, I I think they're the ones that sports fans will gravitate to because it's basically replicating what they already know. And I definitely... um, I'd be interested to, to know your thoughts on that uptake of esports. Is is that something that you think will mainstream, so to speak, or will that be still the people that are watching and consuming esports before the shutdown, um, and then may kind of stumble upon it uh, during the the shutdown and other traditional sports? Do you think they'll stick with it, or is it one of those things that it's kind of like Belarusian soccer? You just do it to pass the time. Yeah, it's difficult to say. I would probably think if you're a normal, traditional sports fan and you have nothing to do with esports, then you probably... It's hard to imagine that you start basically watching esports only because there's no traditional sports. But at the same time, maybe some people that were interested in it, they they, they try it out now and they get, get used to it and they start liking it. And it's really a big trend on a global level um, with a billion dollars in revenue. So it's not, not like a minor hobby that people are having. So... One problem here is, of course, um, as the audience is pretty young with esports um, in general, to make sure that only people can bet that are over um, the age that it's allowed, um, let's say 21 years old in most states here in the US. But um, apart from that, I think it's it's interesting for a lot of people now as nothing else is on and let's see if they stick with it afterwards. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think the the proof in the, will be in the pudding when sports comes back uh, in some format, um, which is looking more and more likely is going to be over the next couple of months. So, uh, I mean, NASCAR in a few weeks as well, for instance. So it's, it's coming back a lot sooner than a lot of people thought. Kind of circling back to uh, the point around sports integrity. So... Your previous roles have included Head of Legal and Head of International Development for FIFA's Early Warning System and Director of Sports Integrity at CONCAF. So you're obviously acutely aware of the issues presented by illegal activity in sports betting. Uh, What are the major threats to sports integrity and are there any solutions that technology can can play in uh, alleviating those? Yeah, having worked in the sports betting industry since 2006, What really surprises me when we're talking about sports integrity in general is that the way that we collect data nowadays in sports 
it's really it's really still very manual so if you had asked me probably 10 years ago on how we will collect data today especially with data that will be used for sports betting i would probably have thought and said that in 2020 we would be much more ahead than we actually are so all big data companies around the globe are still sending out a lot of scouts thousands of scouts per year to the venues to collect data manually in real time and um, they have small so the scouts are sitting in the stadiums having small devices where they can type in the information uh, depending on what's happening on the field on the pitch and um, human beings are not perfect so they can make mistakes or even get corrupted and um, why are we not using technology to improve the process Mm. And just to just to clarify for everyone that mm-hmm. that hasn't seen that or hasn't had first day experience of it, mm-hmm. is that when you get a large data provider and and this is true for all of them, as you say, it's a scout, which is literally someone sitting in the stands with a pair of binoculars uh, recording what happens. So typing into a computer that may go back to a to a home base where they may kind of check on it, but it's literally someone saying a goal was scored at this point or this person had a pass, pass interference, whatever, all those stats, all those different things, those exotic bet types, all that, that, that comes together is just someone sitting there as you or I would in the stadium, um, feeding that into a computer, which is kind of mind boggling that, as you said, there's not, there's not technology that's stepped in to um, work better on that. Right. And then, um, it's a lot of work for the data companies to to train those scouts, to send them out, to check if they're really at the venue. So what data companies are sometimes doing is that they they look into the game or they basically listen into the game when they believe the scout is on the ground to listen if there are some noises in the background. So if he's really in the stadium or if he's somewhere else, because if the scout gets corrupted and or makes mistakes, the data companies, they are relying on that information to be accurate and they send that information to the bookmakers. And the bookmakers at the same time rely on the data companies. So the scout here is really the weakest um, part of the chain, if you will. So one recent example are so-called ghost games where the game basically didn't really take place in real life, but criminals pretended that there is that game taking place. That's why the name is put on ghost games, basically. So that's how, how they are called. It's a fake game that in reality doesn't take place. And um, there's fake information about the ghost game taking place, for example, at Facebook or other social media platforms. So people believe it takes place in reality. And the data scout, for example, together with those criminals is pretending to collect data for that game. And um, the data company believes that because they receive that information from their scout and they offer, offer odds and offer products basically on that game and um, offer that to the bookmakers. So the bookmakers basically taking the the data from the company, from the data company and offers that game on the sports betting market where sports fans 
go on and place bets on it. And keep in mind that that game really doesn't take place in reality. So it's yeah, kind I of saw, like weird. Um, it's, it's, I saw an example in the Ukraine, I think it was recently, where it was exactly Correct. that. They said on Facebook that they were hosting this uh, football to soccer, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, yeah, tournament, uh, and put out, you know, Facebook events and postings of that. And then all it was was uh, some criminals, a criminal enterprise, uh, saying, punching into the computer, and, and or I think some of these were actually handwritten records, uh, saying so-and-so scored a goal in the 89th minute uh, and this team won. Uh, in reality, that is completely a work of fiction. Um and it's it's very bizarre to me in the in the information technology age in in 2020 um, when we have all this amazing technology and we have all these solutions around artificial intelligence, even computer vision, um, the ability to you know gather that data um, autonomously that that could be gotten away with. It's just it's just it's just wild. So yeah. uh, what what are some of the technologies that you're seeing? I mean, I mentioned kind of AI and computer vision there, but um, what are the technologies you're seeing that could be used, is being used uh, to improve this situation? Yeah, absolutely. There's um, there's a company out there called, for example, Shot Tracker, that is sensor based. So what you could basically do is implement a system like that, um, sensors in the in the in the ball and in the jerseys of the players the sensors are really so small that players don't even recognize that they're in their jerseys and you can basically track uh, movements you can track the ball you can collect all different kind of data points through tracking data or tracking systems like that so they collect like 100 different data points per game and the data has only a delay of 300 milliseconds and um, so it's fast enough to be used for sports betting because there are a lot of different tracking systems out there in the market. But most of the time, what we see is that they're not fast enough for sports betting. When it comes to sports betting, the data needs to be super fast because the bookmaker needs to have the data before um, everyone else, basically, and is able to do stops on or yeah, sports suspends the uh, betting market basically in time so that people that are still sitting in the stadium and watching the game and still want to place a bet that they're not having an advantage over the bookmaker so if that takes too long for the bookmaker to get the right and accurate data then there's a risk for them to lose money so therefore the data needs to be pretty fast and um short tracker system is is doing that so that's yeah, one we had, example um... That's that's great, and um, I mean, we didn't even plan this before, but we uh, we had Davian uh, Ross, the founder of uh, Shot Tracker, on the show uh, a few months ago. So I'll make sure I include a link to his episode. Perfect. But, uh, definitely check uh-huh. check them out, and um, Atrium Sports as well. We had Umberto Rigetti, Chief Strategy Officer, and they're doing similar things uh, with fixed cameras and working with FIBA on the governing body for basketball on that. So. Yeah, as you said, there's there's solutions there. How does there are there other kind of remote solutions? I think both of those are fantastic, but they require a fair amount of infrastructure into the into the stadium. Is there other, I guess, artificial intelligence, mass data analytics um, kind of uh, solutions that can pick up the Ukraine example, for instance? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really about improving the technology to collect those basic data points um, that you're using for sports betting. And um, as long as human beings are involved, there's always a risk, right? And um, as much as you reduce that risk, as less people are involved, basically, the more technology takes over, the more the risk gets limited. And nowadays, especially with major sports being suspended, uh, bookmakers are more and more offering those seven division games somewhere in the Ukraine, right? So p those games are sometimes or most of the times not on TV, they're not streamed anywhere. So nobody really knows if those games actually takes, take place. And especially now in times of Corona and that need for more games, we probably see an increase of that risk that ghost games are happening. And I think that should be an alarming signal to improve that over time and to come up with more technology and reduce the risk of human beings interfering, basically. Yeah, and, and interesting to your point around how a lot of these uh, games aren't streamed or aren't uh, televised and I think that's a role that technology uh, with innovations in broadcast technology that's enabling uh, as you said the seventh division whatever seventh division soccer team in the Ukraine that wouldn't have the budget um, to produce content can actually use then tech tools and that's just another layer that help better so it, it's kind of one of those things where different parts of the ecosystem um, contribute to each other for an ultimately beneficial outcome right yeah fantastic so what's um what's kind of i guess the next step the the, the innovations that you'd like to see is it, is it is it all around that that data capture and imp improving that technology or are there other areas that i mean beyond obviously the legislation um in the other u.s states that aren't um don't have legalized sports betting at the moment Apart from that, which I think is on everyone's wish list if you're working in, um, in sports betting in, in the US, what are some other innovations that you'd like to see? Um, so what I, I'm a big fan of basically using tracking data for sports betting products. So in general speaking, having X, Y, and Z coordinates, movements of the players, and then basically come up with predictions on what's happening next and um, use that for sports betting. So nowadays there's no product that basically, no sports betting product that basically uses tracking data. And I think that's probably one of the biggest innovations that we will be seeing. And um, companies like ShotTracker are best positioned to deliver those data. But then also from a league perspective, I would love to see the leaks now with the virus being there and sports being shut down to be a bit more innovative and probably coming up with products that entertain their fans while they are not able to see um, the games because they are suspended. So maybe free to play games um, that, are, that can be really engaging. Think of companies like Sharkline Sports. They do hundreds of free to play bets every week so that's why we're entertaining they just did uh, super cool things at nfl draft so i think um i would love the leagues to take a bit more of an active lead now and come up with products that are entertaining their fans while sports is suspended 
But apart from that, in the overall environment, and hopefully once Corona is gone, um, using biometrics also um, more actively, probably also for sports betting. So if you can see the heart rate of a player before he's going to make his most important shot of the game, that would be entertaining and things like that. There are wearables out there that are collecting already um, heart rates and things like that. But kind of like putting that into a sports betting product would be the next big clue from my point of view and probably pretty entertaining for fans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one that my mind first first goes to all the kind of um, the ethical implications in terms of, um, of fairness. And I think about the example of, say, uh, poker, um, not that you can bet on. I'm sure there are exotics out there that you can bet on a poker game itself. But in the example of that, where someone's heart rate could be through the roof, but they're keeping a poker face and you go, oh, well, that, that indicates <laughs> that there's something going on here. So I, I'm not sure how to apply to, um, to other sports. It's definitely, um, it's definitely something pretty interesting um, in there and, and if you can kind of see how, how hard someone's going and, and how they might push and, yeah, definitely. I, I think probably the most engaging point of that that I've seen was during um, cycling, I want to say it was Tour de France, but I can't 100% recall. But it was looking at the heart rates of uh, the cyclists there and seeing them push because on the screen it kind of looks like everyone's going the same speed. And then you see these heart rates and you see that they're just absolutely pushing their bodies beyond their limits. So I definitely think there's an entertaining, um, kind of engaging side to that. Yeah. So. And then- And then really um, coming back to sports betting, especially here in the US, I think Europe is so far ahead of us at the moment. And that's because traditionally traditionally, um, sports betting has been legal there for decades, right? So no no offense here, but um, last but not least, the products are different and um, betting products in Europe are more advanced than most of the products that we see right now in the US. So if you think, for example, on um, one game that's offered on the sports betting market, you sometimes have hundreds of different betting types that you can basically place on that single game. And their prop bets are very popular, like betting on the performance of an individual player. You can watch the game on one app and then basically place a bet through the same app which is not possible yet here in the US. So the fan experience here is much more fragmented than, let's say, in Europe or rest of the world and the regulated markets. But what I strongly believe is that we here in the US, we will catch up on that pretty fast. And um, probably in a few years, you will see the US innovating and basically revolutionizing the sports betting space completely. So I'm pretty, pretty convinced about that. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for your time, uh, Layla. Just before you go, I've got to ask you, what is your favorite sporting moment of all time? Oh, that's that's so hard to say. Um, I would probably say the first um, FIFA World Cup when I worked at FIFA and uh, was invited to be in Brazil and watch the World Cup live. That was probably my biggest experience. Um, I saw also, yeah, I was also watching a few NFL games here in the US. And since then I'm a big NFL fan as well. 
But um, those major events, I think if you see like how people go crazy in a positive way about sports and how everyone is basically united and enjoying that experience, I think that's, these are the biggest moments and the best moments for me. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I've been, I've experienced that firsthand. Not a, not a FIFA World Cup, I think. Um, that would be incredible in Brazil. I have been to soccer, you know, football, football games in Brazil before, and they're just something else. The kind of the passion, the dedication, just the intensity of fans there. Um, I can see why that would be um, an amazing experience. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll include in the show notes um, a link to a few of the things you mentioned. So obviously Shot Tracker, a few of the other episodes. Um, I've got an article on this Ukraine ghost game that uh, people can kind of have a look into, um, which is just bizarre and kind of stranger than fiction stuff, but it's happening. Uh, And then also uh, some of the things around kind of esports and uh, some of the figures that you quoted there about how much money is actually flowing into the the betting market there. So everyone can look into that uh, following the show. Perfect. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Bye. There you have it. That was Dr. Layla Mintis, sports betting expert consultant, sharing some very interesting views and uh, some kind of call to arms, I guess, for the industry, uh, talking about the ways that innovation can be be used in this in this downturn, in this downtime, whatever you want to call it, uh, and that it's actually the time to push forwards with technology. So it'll be really interesting to see if um, if the industry takes that up, and I know that uh, uh, Layla is really leading the charge on that, so excited to follow her career, and, and I know there's some things in the works, so looking forward to seeing that as it comes to fruition. As always, if you've got any feedback on the show or guest suggestions, please feel free to reach out either on LinkedIn, Thomas Alomes, uh, A-L-O-M-E-S. I think I'm the only one out there. So fairly easy to find. Otherwise, Thomas at sportstechfeed.com. Thomas at sportstechworldseries.com as well. And thanks for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you next week with Tim Tobito from the NFL. All the best. (laughs) 